This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. The Bible tells us that fear has torment. Now, if fear has torment, why are so many of us in fear? Do we like to be tormented? Apparently so, at least in the flesh, because we don't realize the extent to which fear affects our lives. On the other hand, we're told to fear God. We don't like to fear God, as proved by the last 30 years in America, where we have virtually abandoned the fear of the Lord from the church house to the White House, even in the schoolhouse, and perhaps in your house. But we are to fear God and not to fear man, because the fear of man brings a snare. Have you felt yourself ensnared lately by the fear of man or the fear of what man can do or the fear of what man or women can say? It seems that fear is tormenting not only our country as a whole, the world as a whole, and yes, even professing Christians. How do I know that? Because I hear them talk. Our talk reveals what's in our heart. We fear. And Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is speaking. And so today on Viewpoint, we're going to grapple with this issue of fear. Jesus himself said that things are going to become so traumatic, so difficult, so tumultuous on this planet that men's hearts will fail them for fear for the things that are coming upon the earth. On the other hand, he tells us, fear not, little flock. Hmm. Fear not, little flock. So in other words, there is a small group of people that align themselves according to the word, the will, and the way of God, submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, they fall within that little flock, and we're told not to fear. But how do we do that? Is that like raising yourself by your own bootstraps, fear not, when everything around you screams fear? That's what we want to talk about out loud right here on Viewpoint Today, and I'm so glad that you've joined us. It's conversation as always. With ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms, and our special guest today, Mark Filkey, with his book, Fear must not win. Fear must not win. Mark, it's good to have you on the program. All the way from California, people are fearing out there, aren't they? Well, there's a reason why they call us the left coast, right? Well, I spent a lot of time out there on the left coast, but when when I came here to Richmond, Virginia, they thought we were a bunch of fruits, nuts, and flakes. Yeah, that was funny. That was actually going to be my next line. So you've been here and lived here, I can tell. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I lived there in the Central Valley of California, uh, where you live. Uh, I was a little south of there in Fresno, and you were in Stockton. But uh, then I spent the majority of my time in Southern California, where I went to uh, school, both law school and uh, college, university. 
And uh, we've seen, since I left California, things have become more left than they were when I left. Far more left, and it's engendered, actually, a lot of fear across the country. Are we all going to be like California? What say you? Well, yes, sir. What you Actually, uh, uh, when you were beginning your monologue, I was listening to you, and actually you nailed it right on the head. Um, you know, cities, states, the world is comprised of people. So when we talk about California, we're talking about people, not mm-hmm. just a region. Right. And um, unfortunately, uh, a lot of times people in ministry, uh, even people who claim to be religious and know God, forget that there's another world outside of the one that we're in the tangible world that we're in. Uh, and men and women are either under the rulership, I should say, they are either under the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, or they are under the powers of darkness. There's really nothing in between. One of the things that really uh, inspired me and drove me to write this book was exactly that, because I live in California. I was seeing the effects of fear on people's life up close. Um, A lot of people don't realize fear, as you mentioned earlier, not only does it add torment, but uh, it initiates all types of things, disease, you know, sin, sickness, fear, uh, sin, sickness, death, and disease. Um, all of it is connected to the powers of darkness. And uh, anytime I hear people try to just relegate fear to some type of natural emotion, I know that they really don't understand, uh, you know, the, the full implications of what that means. Well, fear, in one sense, is the opposite of faith. We either live by faith or we live by fear. On the other hand, there are some legitimate aspects of fear that God actually created for us uh, for our uh, basic survival in normal circumstances. But then there is this spiritual element of fear. And uh, I think it's been very hard to grapple with. Uh, Within the traditional evangelical community in which I grew up, my father being a pastor for 50 years, What I experienced was people understood the instruction to fear not. But there was such a relatively low level of faith that it was very hard for them to live that out. On the other hand, a bit later, I was exposed to the charismatic community. And yes, even the word faith community. And what I saw there is a radical reversal that Faith, now, was going to be the surrogate for fear, but faith itself became almost an idol. Right. And so it was distorted, it was perverted, and uh, basically made us surrogate gods. So we didn't have to trust God anymore, we just trusted faith. And so now we need to bring a correction to that, uh, right here on the air, because you and I have those experiences. Yes. We know what that's like, and uh, we, we need to bring a truth-filled understanding for God's people because fear is rampant, isn't it? Absolutely. And again, you, you nailed it, because a lot of people don't understand what real faith is. Faith is not an emotion. It's not just a mindset. There's a difference between the faith of God 
and something that is initiated and perpetuated within the mind, will, and the emotions. Exactly. What most most people refer to. Faith, to a lot of people, is like some type of magic sauce that you put on something to acquire <laughs> the things that are natural, right? I like that but term, really, magic sauce, yo. Right. But in reality, in reality, the faith of God is actually a force. I'm talking about the faith that God gives us as born-again, reconciled believers. Mm-hmm. The way you know the difference is because you have people in the secular world who are using and throwing around the word faith, again, like it's magic dust. Mm-hmm. Um, it is some, some, somehow gives us the power to pursue and to acquire and apprehend things of this natural world. But in reality, faith was given to us for much more than that. All right. We want to talk about the implications of that as we get after this coming break, friends. Our guest today, Mark Filkey, his book, Fear Must Not Win. We'll be back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. What's the difference, my friend, before, between not desiring something or, or uh, wishing that something would not happen and actually living in fear of it? You see, there are different levels of this thing called fear. Some of them issue from just a, a God-given respect for life and uh, for circumstances and the way things work. On the other hand, there is a level of fear that issues out of our spirit, and that's what we're really concerned about here today on Viewpoint. Nobody wants inflation. Nobody wants inflation. Nobody wants an unbalanced budget, I wouldn't think. Nobody wants uh, an invasion of COVID or any other pestilence. Nobody wants that. But amid those circumstances which God himself told us we're going to come on the earth. It is then that we cannot allow those circumstances and those things to govern us, to take over our minds, wills, and emotions, and indeed govern even our relationship with the Lord. And so that having been said, uh, Mark, uh, you have set forth some lessons learned about fear being defeated early on in your book. And I think it might be helpful for us to just run through some of those uh, very quickly to give people a handle on this. Uh, The first one was your heavenly father never allows you to face your fears and or threats alone. So he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And yet oftentimes we feel that he has left us or forsaken us, don't we? We we do, and I think it's important for every born-again believer to understand that we are not exempt, we are empowered. There's a big difference. Mm, That's very good. We're not exempt from what? We're not exempt from all the cares of the world. Just because you're a born-again believer doesn't mean that everything just goes away. So the rain falls Um, on the just and the unjust. 
That's what the Bible says. Mm. And so most people, number one, don't understand the difference between the different types of fear. And so, like you said earlier on, um, you know, a lot of people when they're talking about, well, they heard when they were kids, you know, don't fear. To them, that means that somehow they have to control an emotion. Mm. And that begins an endless cycle of frustration, because how do you control a natural emotion, a God-given emotion that was given to you to avoid, uh, you know, possible peril, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So so there are three kinds of fear. I mean, the first, uh, as you've probably seen uh, in the press release that we sent you, is it's a natural God-given innate sense. It's, you know, God gives us this natural sense of fear that I like to see it as a carefulness or an apprehensiveness or the ability to avoid that which that might come to try to take us out. Real simple things. I mean, you don't pet snakes. You don't jump off. Most of us don't don't. run into traffic. (laughs) Right. Well, there's a few people here in California that have tried it. (laughs) But um, uh, so there's that natural innate sense, which is, which is good. It's the fear of God. It's the reverence of God. And when I say the fear of God, I'm talking about the laws of God that he has set into action. They're, well, it's obvious not... that we don't fear God anymore because uh, for the past, uh, oh, 10 years or so, <clears throat> I can't tell you how many pastors and parachurch leaders I've had on this broadcast who have admitted that the most hated word in the church today is the word obey. If you're not, if you hate the word obey and you resist it, you don't fear God. Fundamentally, well, you, you can't fear yeah, God and love disobedience. Right. The problem, though, is, is that you you have to obey if you're not surrendered. If you're surrendered, obedience is it's a it's there by default. So when when you hear leaders, anyone for that matter, that, that's, that's dealing with obedience, that means there's some type of, of uh, struggling or wrestling going on in their own souls in terms of their surrender that's to the correct. Lordship, to the Lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why the church right now, and I want to say universal, is so screwed up and it's so upside down because we have lost that fear. This whole and I, I love I love grace, but this whole so-called grace revolution, which mm-hmm. by the way you and I know is not new, um, is teaching some something that is diametrically a it is antithetical to to authentic Christianity. When right. you love God, there is a natural, innate, and I'll use the word fear, a reverence and an awe that says I do not want to displease. I'm not going to trample under feet the blood of Jesus that was shed so that my sins are not only forgiven but put behind me. Why why would I love why would I love God profess to love God and then turn around and just purposefully live in a lifestyle that is antithetical to his heart and to his word which reveals in itself that we don't fear God. Uh so in my it is my conviction that the foundation for increasing fear among Christians is that we don't fear God and uh, as a nation the fear of the lord was the foundation of this country going all the way back 
Absolutely. It was the foundation, just as God had said in his word, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Absolutely. So uh, for the past uh, 30, 40 years, <clears throat> and I've asked many a pastor and parachurch leader this question, when was the last time you heard anyone use the term to describe someone as a God-fearing man? That used to be normative in this country. Not one pastor or parachurch leader has been able to answer me in the affirmative. In other words, the whole concept of the fear of the Lord, whether you're a Christian or not, has been lost in our country. That explains the echoing consequences that you're experiencing in California, that the whole world, the whole uh, uh, country is experiencing in chaos, in crime, uh Everything can be attributed ultimately and traced back to the abandonment of the fear of the Lord. Therefore, here's the connection. If we don't fear God, Mark, we will fear man and what he can do. Well, you just beat me to the punch, and absolutely so. It, it, it is a vicious cycle. Number one, you're hearing it for the first time here today, if you haven't heard it here before. We still use that terminology. And unfortunately, it has become a disruptive terminology in this generation. They, they're not hearing it. But um, I was raised by parents who were pastors. My dad was a nightclub owner that God saved. A pastoring nightclub owner. Hmm. That's an interesting now, congregation a, that he had. Well, no, he was a nightclub owner prior of his Oh, prior okay. Of his <laughs> and um, and uh, my mother, both my mother and my father, were saved uh, out of a pretty intense uh, history and lifestyle. And uh, they they raised me, and I'm so grateful for this, they've raised me to fear God. My mother told me early on, she said, Mark, she said, it's not when God is talking to you and dealing with you or when you have conviction that you should be afraid. She said that you should be afraid when you stop feeling that conviction. Uh-huh. So in other words, when, when you're not, when God is not dealing with you about your own life, that's when you need to be concerned. So in other words, the lack of conviction is revealing that you have abandoned the whole heart of surrender. But when you receive that spirit of conviction, you now, your, your willingness to surrender is being tested. Absolutely. And I would also say to you to just kind of regress a little bit that when, and this is why we're seeing it across America, that because of the absence of the fear and the reverence of God, and I'm talking about the literal fear and reverence of God, not talking about uh, being conscious or some type of, uh, some level of, of, um, you know, consciousness or whatever the world calls it. I'm talking about the reverence. When you don't fear God, guess what? Then what happens is you are opening demonic gates for the spirit of fear to come and to take its place in your life. So, so God not, doesn't give us the spirit of fear, but we receive it when we don't fear God. That's exactly what I'm saying. When we're not walking in the reverence and the awe, and when I, I say reverence, I'm talking about a reverence that comes from understanding that we're talking about the God of the universe that sits upon the circumference of the universe, 
I mean, we are like a grain of sand in a huge ocean, and yet God knows us by name. He loves us right where we are, but he also loves us enough to leave us where we are. And I think, mm. I think people, I think this generation, and, and I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to uh, beat on uh, generation X, Y, and Z, but the fact is, is that really, I think it's the responsibility of pastors and former leaders who have not passed down Maybe, maybe it was because they were trying, maybe they were trying to build corporations and not churches. Uh, I'm really concerned. I really am because in a lot of ways, and you know this, because I've listened to some of your programs, a lot of ways churches have taken a real left turn and they have really become more of a social meeting place than a place for people to find God and be delivered, delivered. Yeah. Of well, their sins, sickness, death, and disease. Mark, when pastors fear the people, then what they say or don't say reveals the level to which they don't fear God. So then the people, the parents, the grandparents that are listening, <clears throat> their concept of God is muddled, diminished, to the extent that the pastor has pandered to the culture and refused to preach the whole counsel of God. Right. Then their children, generation X, Y, and Z, as you said, mm-hmm. are inheriting this deficit of the truly awesome nature of God. You know, God throughout the Old Testament had to confront Israel with this. He said, I am God and there is none other. Folks, children of Israel, my children, get it in your head. I am God. I'm God. That's what's missing. Right. And there's no other God beside me. Exactly. And that's, and that's a huge attachment to that brain. Mm-hmm. It sure is. You, you have this universal sense that everything that moves and doesn't move is God. And some, you know, people who have never been to India, for example, and I had the a uh, wonderful privilege of touring Indra with India with my good friend, my late friend, uh, Dr. Phil Morocco. I don't know if you know them. No, but I his don't. His brother pastors probably the largest church and uh, all the, actually most of the churches in the Hawaiian Islands. And we toured India. And one of the first things he told me when I was there, he said, Mark, you're not going to believe this. But he said, there is literally over 3 million different gods Um that are worshipped across the board throughout um, these different regions. It's true. I remember, I, I remember riding in a um, in one of those three wheeled taxis, and on the dashboard, uh, the guy had a statue of Jesus, a statue of Mary, and a statue of Kali. <laughs> and I said, and I said, which one of those do you worship? And he said, all of them. I said, no, my friend, you cannot worship all of them. I said, there is one God. I said, it's Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God, and there is no other. A lot of people, I don't know, you know, we're living in a time right now where, where churches have become so seeker-sensitive. They're so, they're so after getting people in the seats that they have forgotten the importance of getting people to heaven. Wow. Absolutely. And friends, this book, uh, and, and we're barely going to be able to uh, touch the... Uh, the implications of this book, but we're going to, we're trying. We're still laying a good foundation for it. The book is called Fear, Must 
not win. Finding peace, confidence, and courage in challenging times. $17 is going to put the book in your hands. We need all the hope that we can get. One writer said, this book is therapy on paper. Well, I thought that was a great a great statement. Fear must not win. $17 on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling, and we'll get the book in your hands, Fear Must Not Win. But here's the question as we go into this break. Is fear winning in your life? Don't answer too quickly. Ponder it for the next 60 seconds. Is fear winning in your life? We'll be back with Mark Filkey in just a moment. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website. SaveUs.org. That's SaveUs.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at SaveUs.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, Prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Today on Viewpoint, friends, we're talking about this matter of fear. Fear has torment. It's tormenting many, and it's going to torment many more because Jesus said so. He said, because of these perilous times that we're in and are coming even the more so, that men's hearts will fail them for fear for the things that are coming upon the earth. On the other hand, he tells us as his followers, his true followers who are submitted to him, he says, fear not, little flock, fear not. So how do we fear not amid an environment of terrifying fear? That's our challenge, isn't it? That is our challenge. So our guest today in his the opening chapter of his book talks about certain lessons that he learned uh, and how fear was defeated as he grew up in some of the experiences that he had. The first was, your heavenly father never allows you to face your fears or threats alone. Now, that's a very important thing uh, to for us to understand, isn't it, Mark? It is because fear dissipates in the presence of the Father. So when, you're, when your dad shows up, whatever you were standing against, uh, there, there is that immediate knowing that whatever is coming against you, your dad is much larger. Your heavenly Father is Isn't larger. Isn't that interesting? That's, He's our protector. He is our protector, and our provider, provider mm-hmm. our covering. Amen. Yeah. 
So in the first chapter of the book, and you, you probably already saw it, I tell a, a small story about when I was little. Uh, we had moved here. I was almost 10 years old, and my mom and dad got word that there was a rabies outbreak that was going on out in the country where we lived. And my dad set me down and uh, briefly, but I mean in a very warning way, said, look, son, you know, there's a possibility that some of the dogs, the animals, the wild animals out here may have contracted this disease. And he went on to explain how dangerous it was. And then he went on to say, he said, look, if any of these dogs, these animals ever approach you, you need to just slow down, try to back away, and then come home and tell your mother. He said, but, and he slowed down. And he said, but I want you to understand that if any of these animals actually try to attack you, uh, he said, I want you to stop. And he said, I want you to raise your hands as high as you can. And I don't know where my dad got this from, but it worked. <laughs> he said, I want you to lift your hands as high as you can. And I want you to scream at the top of your voice, hash brown. Hash well, brown? Hash brown. So I don't know why my dad used a breakfast food to scare away animals, really? but it worked. Isn't and that I interesting? Seen, I had seen him do it many times before when we had dogs or animals because we lived out in the country in the middle of a plowed field and animals would come in and uh, sometimes in the yard and my dad would go out and he would raise his hands he'd scream hash brown and man every time these animals would flee so so is was, is, is it was that your dad's version secular version of praise the lord or uh, I, calling I, out jesus name uh, well, I think probably it was more like, get out of here, yeah. you don't belong in my yard, you know. <laughs> but um, after my dad set me down, you know, my as a 10-year-old boy, my imagination began to work, and I had all types of pictures of these zombie-like animals with, you know, uh, saliva dripping from their fangs coming after me and, you know, ripping me apart. But after about a year or so, nothing happened. I relaxed. Until one day, I was walking across a very large plowed field uh, home from a, a friend's house, and I heard a stirring behind me. I heard a barking and a howling. And when I turned around, here was uh, a, quite, a, quite a ways off at this point. These looked like wild dogs that were just dust was coming from everywhere, and they were snipped. They were kind of running towards me and snipping at one another at the same time. And uh, when I saw them, I tried to measure the distance between where I was and where our house was, and it was too far to try to make it. So I just sort of tried to ignore it and walk on. Before I knew it, these dogs uh, had approached me, and here they were snipping at me, taking turns systematically, almost as if to taunt me. They were coming in, trying to snip, bite me. Then they would turn and try to bite one another. It, it was a scary thing. And... Uh, I was, didn't really know what to do, and then all of a sudden, I remembered what my dad said. I stopped, straightened my back as high as I could. I threw my hands up, and I screamed, hash brown. <laughs> and when I did, to my amazement, these dogs curled back, so I screamed it again, hash brown. And when I said it the second time, it was I heard an echo go across the field. It was almost like my dad was screaming it for me. And when I screamed it the third time, these dogs just put their tail between the legs and just scurried off into the field. Well, as you can imagine, sweat rolling down my brow. I bent over, put my hands on my knees to get my breath, and I looked between my legs behind me, 
And who do you think is standing behind me but my dad? Wow. Well, our Heavenly Father is standing behind us. uh, And one of the the things that we don't realize, uh, and I want to share this, years ago, uh, my wife and I were privileged to uh, spend a few nights at America's foremost plantation. And uh, it's called Monmouth. And uh, there, they had a little shop. And in that gift shop was a plaque. And here's what the plaque said. If you don't feel close to God, guess who moved? Guess who moved? Think about that. So we have adopted that and used it uh, continually in our home. If you don't feel close to God, guess who moved? See, the Heavenly Father said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So if he's not leaving us or forsaking us, where's the problem? The problem is I have lost sight. I'm out of his proximity. I'm out of his presence. What is it that's causing me to be out of his presence? Am I walking in uh, sin? Am I walking in rebellion? Am I walking in disobedience? Am I walking in fear? And uh, so I think this situation is probably more simple than we uh, would care to admit. If we're really walking close with the Lord in the light of his word, as the song says, what a glory he sheds on our way. When we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Amen. That's it, it? It is. And here's the thing, though. See, my dad came looking for me because I was a little bit late coming home. Oh. And so, so you when were I sort screamed, of prodigal then. I, sort of, you know. And so when I screamed, here's the deal. I heard the echo. In reality, it was not my voice that scared those animals away. It was my father's voice. So my mm. father, every time I lifted my hands and screamed hash brown, he was doing it behind me, a few feet behind Isn't me. Isn't that amazing? And these animals ran off into nowhere. Uh, and so, you know, the lesson that I, I, you know, share the metaphor there is that any time that the enemy comes after us, you know, a lot of times we don't realize that God is a good God and he loves us. And even when we're lost and we, we may, uh, you know, move a distance, maybe we get out of his will. Maybe we fall away from him. The Father is always coming and always pursuing us. And thank God for that grace. But I think what what you're talking about right now is people who just move so far away. Uh, there's no reverence. There's no. There's no. There's no going after God. They're in their own space, doing their own thing. But you know, aren't aren't, aren't you thankful? I'm thankful that even when maybe sometimes we we move away from the Lord in a way that we should not, that we do have a heavenly father that comes looking for us. Well, he comes looking at us through his Holy spirit uh, with conviction. That's how he does it. And uh, if we listen to his still small voice and respond, fear dissipates. If we do not fear increases, it's not that difficult to comprehend. And you said also Amen. one of the lessons you have to learn is to confront your fears. What do you mean by that? That's, well, face your fears, kill your giants means that oh, running, okay. running from your fears um, 
is not going to get you anywhere because the you know the more you run from something, the more it's going to increase in your life. It just it mm-hmm. just invites more. One of the things my dad told me, he said, Mark, whatever you do, don't run from those dogs. He said because they'll run after you. Absolutely. They 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 smell fear. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons I stopped and lifted my hands and screamed that crazy breakfast food thing my dad did, hash browns, because my dad said, look, remember this. You're larger than they are. You're larger than they are. And if you don't stand up against them, if you try to run, they're going to bite you. And if they if they can get you down on the ground, listen, the, the devil's ruthless. The devil, there is no mercy in him whatsoever. So God is our only hope. In a world filled with fear, frustration, panic, anxiety, phobia, God is our only hope, especially, and I I was hoping we could get to this, but especially in a world, Chuck, that that has a news cycle every 15 seconds, every 15 minutes, demonic, unauthorized spirits channeling demonic talking points through what I call the toxic news streams. It's amazing. Um, it is it is perpetuating an environment and an atmosphere. It used to be, you know, in just places throughout America. Now it's everywhere. It it's is. around the world. It's a global problem. Yeah. Which is why I wrote the book. I want people to understand: you do not have to fall prey or live in anxiety and fear. You have a heavenly Father that wants you are reconciled back to Him and reconnected. You don't have to disconnect. You can walk with him and have a daily relationship that guarantees that anything and everything that comes against you will be defeated, not because of your presence, but because of his. Mark, some people would say, many people would say, well, <clears throat> in fact, I've heard Christians say this, uh, I don't, I don't want to know anything that's going on out there, because that way I don't have to be concerned. I don't want to know anything that's going on out there. Therefore, I don't have to be concerned. That's kind of like hear no evil, see no evil. It's like a two-year-old that puts his hand over his face and said, look, Ma, you can't see me. So it seems to me that it's not that we hide from what's going on. It's that in the face of what is going on, I will not fear. I'm trusting God. We'll be right back after this, friends, and the book is a wonderful book, Fear Must Not Win. It's on our website. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. So glad you've joined us here on Viewpoint today to talk about something that uh, every one of us is having to deal with. 
We have to deal with it daily, sometimes uh, many times a day, and that is the issue of fear. The psalmist David was called a man after his own heart, a man after God's own heart. So therefore, why would David have been afraid? Well, he had many enemies, foreign and domestic. He had enemies all over the place, including his own sons. That's right. So he said, whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you, Lord. So he didn't deny that there was a temptation to fear. What he did was resolve the temptation to fear in favor of trusting God. I think that's the simplest way for us to understand how we are to deal with this issue of fear. Mark, what do you think? I think that's an excellent analogy and really cutting right to the point. And that's that's what I deal with through all the chapters. I described all of the different types uh, of fears. But one, one of the things, Chuck, that I, I really wanted to, to bring up and mention again is the use of technology. I, don't you think it's interesting that in technology, all of the, the terminology we use, like media, taken from the word medium, as in the Witch of Endor, channels, as in channeling, Mm-hmm. Um, think about the World Wide Web, as in spider web, things that people get caught up with. <laughs> and who loves and ha- spiders, right? Right. And how about how about internet? Internet. So you know, when I was growing up, and I'm sure that you remember this as well, we had like three channels. We had three channels. That was it. TV came on at 6 a.m. and around 11 o'clock at night, they signed off. You heard the Star Spangled Banner, jets flying over. They said, God bless you, and we will return the following broadcasting day. God bless you, and God bless America. Today, we don't have three. We have thousands, and now they're predicting that we will have millions of channels in which information is going to be disseminated. And when I say information, I'm talking about, in my opinion, I think the demonic powers of darkness right now are using what I call the lower frequencies of the earth to initiate, to assimilate, to perpetuate, to invite, welcome, celebrate, and entertain spirits of fear in homes and in people's hearts. And think about this, Chuck. When is the last time you've seen anyone walk down the street, young people especially, that didn't have a pair of headphones or earbuds in their ears? Yeah, right. It's like 24-hour around-the-clock indoctrination mm-hmm. with negative 15-second sound bites, 15-minute images of, of rioting, wickedness. Uh, looting, wickedness, sin, sickness, death, and disease. It's no wonder. And believers have fallen prey. You know why? Because they're drinking the punch. Yep. And the music that co- co- communicates it. Absolutely. In fact, I have a little portion of the book that dedicates to that. I call it the lower frequencies. See? Mm. The Bible teaches us that Satan is actually licensed to use the lower frequencies of the earth. Now, we born-again believers, we, we, we communicate on a, on a different frequency. It's a higher frequency. The enemy is not allowed, and he is, he is not permitted to interfere in that frequency. The enemy uses, you know, when you hear, you see these kids and you see these large concerts, um, all of these demonic uh, epitaphs and all of these different yeah, things are happening. And you can hear that. You can hear that beat. You know, Satan was uh, the angel of music. 
as you know. Right. And and he has I believe I believe that he is using technology and he is using the music, Hollywood imagery, sound. Most people don't understand the spiritual nature of sound. The spiritual nature of of uh, I mean you can't see the like when you were listening to radio, you can't see those sound waves, but they are carrying packets of information. Yeah. And in the same way, I believe that Satan has unleashed a demonic warfare against not just unbelievers. He already has them. But now he has re- unleashed this demonic, uh, this demonic wave, if you will. It has infiltrated the high places of Washington, D.C. You know, God spoke to me prior of 19 and gave me a prophetic word. In fact, it was 18 and 19. The Lord told me that God was going, the Lord told me that he was going to use, um, he was going to use the unpredictable, and he was going to force the demonic powers in high places to begin to relinquish authority. And I think that's why we're seeing places like CNN unravel. We're seeing uh, Hollywood has unraveled. uh, You know, Washington, D.C. is a mess. And all of it, the enemy is just having a heyday. Well, that's true. Absolutely having a heyday. What I'm concerned about is that he's having a heyday among professing Christians. And that's God's warmest audience, and all the warnings of Scripture are to the church. And uh, so the preparation for the coming of the Lord, all those warnings are to the church. Because the unbelievers, Jesus said, are condemned already. So the ones that we need to be dealing with now, when this message of fear not is presented, is presented not to the unbelievers, they should be fearing. They should be fearing the consequences of their rejection of the Lord. But for those who have truly submitted or surrendered, to use the word that you used, I think that's the best word, surrendered, uh, then we don't have to walk in that fear. We don't have to walk in that terror. And that's why David made it very clear. He said, when I am uh, in fear, mm-hmm. I will trust the Lord. I right. will trust the Lord. If you read the Psalms, <clears throat> I think the, the, the primary message of the Psalms is David is a real guy. And he lays it all out on the line. He said, many are they that trouble my soul. Many are they that say of my soul, there is no help in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. That's what we need to do as believers. And you talk about that in your book. We need to put the words of God in confidence in our minds and our hearts. And that's how we walk in joy and in peace and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, without the dominion of fear. Well, judgment begins in the house of God, as you know. Yeah. And I would I would add to your first statement the the um, these this phrase lukewarm, lukewarm, because uh, now we are dealing with a whole different situation. We're talking about people who claim to be reconciled, spirit-filled. The word filled, by the way, doesn't mean like drinking a glass of water. It means controlled. Um, Spirit, capital S, as in Holy Spirit. Spirit, Holy Spirit-controlled believers 
have to guard their hearts and they have to pray attention, not just pay attention, P-R-A-Y, pray attention. All right, what do you mean because by that? <clears throat> what I mean by that is it's not just the mindfulness, but to walk in the spirit where they're never disconnected. You know, somehow or another, I don't know where it happened. You know, uh, I'm 65 years old. I remember when the church, when you went to church, people were, they prayed an hour before church started. And then it was hard to get them to leave. Men and women were engaged, but we're in a time right now where men and women are lukewarm. And those that claim to be born again, we're talking about born-again, spirit-filled believers. Um, really, what they're talking about is God is a part of their life. But true Christianity, God is not a part of your life. God is, is your, your life. life. And so the disconnection is, is that church or attending a local assembly, and believe me, I've written a book that's called Plant to Prosper, and I believe in the local church. I believe that what Paul said was true, forsake not the assembling yourselves together. Right. But Christianity cannot be relegated to a, a, a place. It cannot be relegated even to a physical posture of getting on your knees or even raising your hands. It has to be relegated to relationship, an unbroken relationship in which a person never, ever, even when we're doing life, we're never, ever out of communication with the Holy Spirit. I think what we're dealing with is I think we have a lot of believers who claim to be dedicated, but really uh, what we're talking about is people who view Christianity as just a part of their lifestyle. Or a Band-Aid band put on their owie. Well, yeah, or fire insurance. Mm -hmm. You know, we've heard that for years, right? Sure. But the, the way to really be free of Fear is to be in constant relationship with the Father. I agree. That's really the bottom line. And David said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If we're sinning you know, against the Lord, and we know it, then we have no confidence to come before him in trust. That's when we need to fear that we're out of sync with the Father, don't we? Right, because it's like crossing the middle divider in a freeway. <laughs> you know, you know, you, you, you cross the middle divider in the left lane. You're getting ready for a head-on with the judge of the universe. Exactly right. You're going to be standing naked before an all-knowing, almighty mm, God mm, who, mm, 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 who, who literally, now ch check this out, Chuck, this is amazing to me, that literally dealt with you and I, or whoever's listening today, that lovingly deals with us every day. He wants a relationship with us every moment of every day. When is the last time many of our listening friends today woke up and said, good morning, good morning, Holy Spirit, good morning, Jesus. Thank you for going before me. You know, my father, and I have this in my book, my father taught me how to pray unceasing. My dad prayed about everything. I remember walking through the grocery market, and I would hear my dad. At the time, I thought he was talking to himself, but he'd say, he'd say, Jesus, what type of bread are we going to get today, brown bread or white bread? My dad was a guy that he's one of the greatest Christians I ever knew that prayed constantly. He used to work on his old cars, his trucks, and we'd 
you know, we growing up, we didn't have a lot of money. So my dad had to bail wire everything together and fix everything. And I remember my dad praying a lot of times and saying simple things like, Holy Spirit, I need you to show me what to do. You know, what, what, what do I need to do? Show me what's wrong with this truck. I think we're in a generation today that views Christianity as a hobby. And that's why <laughs> no, they're really. falling prey. Yeah. That's why they're falling prey to demonic spirits, because remember, there's three types of fear, natural, irrational, which is the soul, the mind, will, and the emotion. But the demonic fear is the most dangerous part, because demonic fear attaches itself to the unfolding events of our life every day. Which means and that we give permission to it. We give it access. Yeah. Absolutely. And I like that. Absolutely. I like that's what Max Lucado, you quote him in your book, the presence of fear does not mean you have no faith. Fear visits everyone, but make your fear a visitor and not a resident. In other words, birds can fly over your head, but you don't have to let them make a nest in your hair. Wow, what a great analogy, Chuck. That's yeah. a great analogy. So, well, you know, this is, uh, <clears throat> we could talk on and on here because we see what's happening. We're concerned about the body of Christ. We're concerned about our brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't want them to fall. We don't want them to fail. Uh, God doesn't want them to either. He exhorts us, fear not, uh, but we have to choose. Will we or will we not? Will we fear God or will we fear man? I remember, as we wrap up here, uh, Eric Little in Chariots of Fire stood before a congregation just before he ran that Olympic event uh, in Chariots of Fire. He quoted Isaiah chapter 40, and here's what it says. The Lord gives power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increases strength. Yeah. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Friends, make that your commitment. It's time for us to walk in genuine faith, not allowing the spirit of the flesh to have dominion. Get a copy of this wonderful book, Fear Must Not Win. $17 on our website, saveus.org. Call us 1-800-SAVE-USA and become a partner. Friends, we're in this together, preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour, even this very day. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home. 